So Ephesians 1, 3 through 4, I want to focus in on these verses today. This section here is probably one of the most commonly used passages in the Bible to support the ideas of Calvinism and Reformed theology and the concept of unconditional election. And I think there's a, a phrase in here that Paul uses. There's some truth in here that he's revealing that, um, in my opinion, rather than supporting uh, Reformed theology and, and the concept of unconditional election, it really poses some significant issues to that concept. And so I'm going to read that, and I'll talk about what I think that issue is. Um, so it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. So immediately, I mean, you can see definitely where um, the, the concept of being chosen by God, God having a chosen people, um, obviously that's biblical. There, there's no way around that that's a true um, concept that the Bible teaches. God does have a chosen people. Um, what, what is a little bit more up for discussion is uh, who, who those chosen people are, how they become chosen, why God chooses who he chooses, how he chooses who he chooses, and questions like that. So here Paul says God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Um, and he says that he did that uh, in the heavenly places in Christ. So every spiritual blessing God has given us uh, in a specific spiritual location. Um, I think the Bible talks about how when we're saved, we're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the, the kingdom of Christ. And so there's a, a truth that Jesus isn't just a person, but he is a, he's a spiritual location that, that Paul uses the phrase in Christ so many times um, in, in different uh, epistles. So he says, in Christ is where God blessed us with, again, every spiritual blessing. So immediately, I think what can be uh, assumed from this, what, what this indicates is that there are no spiritual blessings that God left out of Christ. In other words, the only spiritual blessings that we can find, God's, God has put them all in the location of Christ, in Him. So there's no spiritual blessings out of Him, right? If, if every spiritual blessing is in Christ, and He's included those in Christ, then there are no spiritual bless blessings that can be found or possessed uh, if we are outside of him. Um, if God only put them in him, then they can only be found and, and possessed in him. So one question that leads to is, okay, so when, when do believers get in Christ? When do people come to the position to where it can be accurately and truthfully said that a person is in Christ? Uh, and, and so what does that mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? Um, I think, you know, a simple way of putting it is to be in Christ is to be in relationship to him. It's to have, uh, it's to be in a faith-based relationship with him where we're connected to him. There's a living relationship um, and, and in such a way that when God looks at us, he identifies us with Christ. So when God looks at us, he doesn't look at us and relate to us based on who we are in and of ourselves, but he relates to us based on who Jesus is. 
So to be in Christ is to, to have God relating to us on the basis of Jesus's righteousness and not on the basis of our sin. So again, I think to be in Christ is to be, um, it's, it's to be connected to Jesus uh, by faith. It's, it's to be saved, really. To, to be in Christ is to, I think it's the same as the, you know, the Gospel of John and the Epistles of John, to abide, to be in that abiding place where we are we're connected. Uh, I think when I, when I talk about the concept of, of what it means to be in Christ, I, I really like using the word connected, and it, it kind of goes to uh, the, the branch and the vine analogy that Jesus uses, um, where he says that he is the vine and we are the branches. So, so to be in Christ, is, it means that we're connected to him that we're not separated from him, that we are in a relationship with him so that as branches are connected to a vine, so we as, as uh, God's children are connected to Christ. We're in an active, living relationship that comes through faith. And so to be in Christ, again, it means that that's, that is the location where God has given us every spiritual blessing. So before Christ, before relationship with Jesus, before uh, before we were in Christ, I think it could be rightfully and biblically said, uh, the simple uh, takeaway from this is that we had no spiritual blessing, right? Because again, if God put every spiritual blessing in Christ, then what spiritual blessing can God give us as, as long as we are in the position of being outside of Christ? So I made sort of a diagram to kind of help bring some clarity to this concept. And so this circle is a representation of in Christ. So I think it's in Colossians where it talks about how we've been transferred. Believers have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness um, into the kingdom of God's son. And so as believers, we, we have a, a spiritual address. Both, both unbelievers and believers have a spiritual condition or a spiritual location, you could say, that we all exist in. And so for believers, our address has changed from the kingdom of darkness, and, and we've been transferred, again, like, like Paul will say, into the kingdom of God's Son. So, so now when Satan and when the world, when sin and anything else comes knocking on our door, um, we can no longer be found at our old address in the kingdom of darkness because God has actually moved us into the kingdom of, of Christ so that, so that, again, when he relates to us, our, uh, our identity is now um, defined not by who we are in and of ourselves, but by who Jesus is. And so, so biblically, again, we're, we're, we're trying to answer the question of when, when do we get in Christ? The reason we're answering this is because, as we looked at in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 1.4, it, it says that God's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, even as he chose us in him. And so, so one of the questions I want to ask first is, is being chosen a spiritual blessing? Would it be right to describe being chosen by God, uh, being his elect, being predestined, by God to various things. You know, it says we've been predestined to adoption. We've been uh, predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. All these things that really sound to me like privileges, uh, spiritual privileges or spiritual blessings. So I think it's absolutely right that these, these things, being chosen, being predestined, fit into the category 
of spiritual blessings. What's interesting, though, is that, again, as Ephesians 1 says, he, he says that all spiritual blessings were given to us where? They're given to us in Christ. They're given to us uh, at the point in which we, we could be rightly described as being in Christ. And, and so, so I think it's really important, as we're talking about this issue of what it means to be chosen and elect and predestined, uh, this seems to be a significant thing to consider is the issue of when, at what point in time did we get to be in Christ? And I think it starts to become clear when we start to look at some of the, the Bible gives a lot of description to, uh, to what we were, what defined us before we were in Christ and what defines us when we come to be in Christ. And so I think when we look at those descriptions, um, it's very telling uh, as far as telling us when we came to be in Christ. Um, and so a question would be to ask, is it possible to be in Christ before we came to faith in him? Can we be in Christ at the same time that we don't have faith in him, that we don't have a relationship to him, that we haven't repented and turned to him? Or... Or do we have to, is there a point in time in history after we're physically born where we're still not in Christ, even throughout, throughout our life until we get to that point of repentance and faith? Because if that's the case, if it's only after repentance and faith that we come to be in Christ, um, I think that reveals a lot about the concepts of what it means to be chosen and, and predestined. And so we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But First, let's look at some of the, the descriptions um, the Bible gives us of, of those who are in Christ. So we know that in Christ, um, it, it talks about how Jesus is our righteousness, sanctification, uh, our redemption. It says that he is our peace. Um, those who are in Christ are called God's children. You know, Romans uh, 8.1, it says that in Christ there is no condemnation. Um, Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians 1, where it says that in, in Christ uh, we have redemption, we have the forgiveness of sins. So, so in Christ is redemption, forgiveness, righteousness, uh, spiritual life, um, peace with God. Uh, and, and also we see in Ephesians 1 that in Christ exists these other spiritual blessings of pre being predestined and chosen. So all these are spiritual blessings, which again, Ephesians 1, 1 uh, 3, and 4, Paul makes it clear that all spiritual blessings, all of these things, God has, God has put in, inside of Christ. He hasn't left any of them for us to be able to uh, possess as long as we're outside of Christ, because all of them exist inside. It's like if, if uh, there's a bunch of kids outside, and I go out and, and I have prepared inside the house, I prepared, you know, uh, uh, hamburgers and fries and, and ice cream and, and uh, you know, cookies and stuff like that. And I've put that all those blessings inside the house. As and I say, you know, kids come inside and, and eat. I prepared these things for you. Well, as long as they stay outside the house, there is no, there's no cookies. Um, there's no, there's no food. There's no blessing that can be had as long as they're outside the house. The, the key is that they come inside because inside is where all the blessing is. And I think that's how the Bible describes Jesus as, as 
being the one inside whom all blessing, God has put all of his blessing in Christ. And, and uh, this really comes back to Jesus saying that nobody comes to the Father uh, but through me. And so God, really when we stop and think about it, um, God can't, you know, how could God give us spiritual blessings um, as long as we are outside of Christ? You know, we can't get to God. There's no relationship. There's no favor with God. There's nothing we can get with the Father until we come through the Son. And that's why Paul says uh, things like that. Jesus, you know, he's the, he's the mediator between God and man. And so... So God has to mediate. There's got to be a mediator who can give us spiritual blessings from God. God can't first give us spiritual blessings and then put us in Christ. Does that make sense? Because we have to come through Christ to get to the Father. So how could the Father have some sort of special relationship with us wherein he's able to give us these any spiritual blessing first and then afterwards bring us to Christ by faith? So I think... Hopefully, this this might be sort of a confusing concept, so hopefully you're following a little bit, and hopefully it will become more clear as I continue to talk about it. But again, what we see is that in Christ, in this location, God has put every spiritual blessing. And, and again, what I think that means is that there's no spiritual blessing that is outside of him. So let's look at some of the things that the Bible describes, some of the, the uh, descriptions of those who are not in Christ. So when we were without Christ, when we were um, not not in that uh, that spiritual location of Christ, we weren't God's children. Uh, we were, you know, Ephesians one says we are separated from Christ. We're separated from God. It says we were without hope. Uh, we were without hope and without God. Um, we were not God's people. Um, again, it goes back to that that idea that we can't we can't f- first. God can't first make us his people and then connect us to Christ because that would be coming to the Father not through Christ. Um, to, come, to come to the Father through Christ means that first we, we, we come through him. You know, we, In order for the Father to give us blessing and for us to get that blessing from him, uh, we first have to come through Christ. So he... So, uh, another description is that we're children of wrath. I think a lot of these come from Ephesians uh, two, children of wrath. Obviously, if we if we take Romans eight one where it says in Christ there's no condemnation, well the the obvious implication of that would be that outside of Christ, in as much as we are not in Christ, not connected to Him, we are in condemnation. There is condemnation outside of Him. So this this outside everything outside the circle is a representation of that again that's that spiritual location of the kingdom of darkness, and then uh, lastly, obviously, spiritual death. First uh, John will say that whoever has the Son has life; whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So to be outside of Christ is to be outside. Of, of the location where spiritual life exists. Um, it's to be disconnected from the one who is himself spiritual life. So, so we can't first get spiritual. Uh, there, is, there is no spiritual life except we be connected to Jesus, who, who himself is spiritual life. So, um, so these are the things that are outside of Jesus. So when God looked at us, before we are in Christ, these are the things that, that defined us. 
This is how he would describe us. This is how uh, God described our condition before we were in the spiritual location of being in Christ. So now considering all that, um, I have a a timeline here. This timeline represents a believer's uh, life. Again, we're trying to answer the question of at what point does a person come to be in Christ? When, When could it be truthfully, biblically said that a person is really, truly in Christ? This, this spot right here is a, a person's birth, their physical birth, when they come into existence in this life. Okay, And so this point here is, is, represents when a believer uh, actually believes in Jesus, repents of sin, and comes to him. So the question is, at what point, where on this timeline, biblically, would we put the, the time when a believer is actually in Christ. So again, if we think about those descriptions that we just looked at, where before Christ, um, in Ephesians 2.12, and uh, it says, remember that you were at that time separate. You were separate from Christ. This is talking to believers. It's talking to Gentile believers, but um, it, it's talking about their condition before they, were, they, were, uh, they had come to Christ by faith. It says at that time, so before this point of faith, before this point of when they were, they had re, before they had repented of their sin and turned to Jesus in belief, it says at that time they were separate from Christ. They were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise. They had no hope and they were without God in the world. So immediately we can ask, does that sound like a description of somebody who can rightly be said to be in Christ? And I don't think there's any sense in which you could truly, accurately, honestly say this is a description of somebody who is in Christ in any sense. There's no sense in which a person can be in Christ at the same time while this condition, this spiritual condition describes him. Because as we've seen, to be in Christ includes no condemnation, forgiveness, peace with God, uh, righteousness before God, being God's people, God's children. And so... So this says that before, before faith, before repentance, before these believers came to know God through Christ, this was their condition. Um, uh, so they were without the Spirit. Um, they they did not belong to Christ. Uh, Ephesians one it, it says that it says that believers when they believed they were sealed with the Spirit. So we know that before belief. The uh, believers are without the spirit, right? Before before this point, the condition, the spiritual condition of people, uh, is without the spirit. Romans eight nine, it says that anybody who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. This is saying the same thing as Ephesians two twelve here, where where to not have the spirit is to be separate from Christ. It, it means you don't belong to Him. In no way do you belong to him. Again, I'd ask, does this sound like a description of somebody who could in any sense be said to be in Christ? And I think the obvious answer is no. Um, Again, Ephesians 2.12, it says that before this point in a believer's life, before this point, they were separate from Christ. Um, They were excluded from Israel's spiritual wealth. So all the promises of God, the promises of covenant relationship and blessing, they had none of that. Uh, none of that was theirs. And, and very important is that it says they were without hope and without God. 
So again, one more time, I'll ask, can that be a description? This point in a, this section of time in a believer's life, could it in any way be rightly said that at this point in time, anywhere anywhere before this point that that a person was could rightly be said to be in Christ in any sense because the bible here it gives us clearly the description the spiritual condition it describes to us the condition and and the way god looked at these people prior to this point in time and he looked at them as being without his spirit which means they did not belong to Christ they were separate from him which means they were excluded from all of his promises they were excluded from all the blessings that he promises to his people, and and uh, two, I think, of the most clear uh, and concise points is that what all this means is that when God looked at them, he saw them as people who were absolutely without hope, and they were absolutely without God. So I think there's no way, if, if we're honestly handling the scripture, that before, uh, some bad writing here, before this point here that anybody could said to be in Christ. Uh, at this point, these guys were not in Christ. They were not in union with him. They had no union with him, no relationship with him. Here we see, uh, we see in Ephesians 1 that, that when God chose us, it says he chose us, right? But there's a, there's a condition here that we were in. There was a location we were in. The people that were chosen here they were in a, a certain spiritual condition, uh, and that condition was in him. So the ones that he chose here already existed, if you will, in the spiritual location of being in Christ. But he, what he does not say here is that God chose us to be in Christ. It doesn't say that God chose us to eventually come to be in Christ. What it says is that the choice here. The chosenness was absolutely connected and related to the in him. You cannot separate God's choice in this verse from in him. The, the, the choice here is taking place in a certain condition. The people that are being chosen are, are those who are in him. They're described as being in Christ. So if we look back at the timeline here, when does a person become chosen? We've, we've already established, I think, that, that the only biblical uh, conclusion as to when a person could be rightly said to be in Christ is, is at conversion, right? It's at f- repentance and faith, and when there's actually a, a, a relationship with Christ by faith. How, how could anybody be rightly said to be in Christ prior to relationship with him, prior to faith in him? And so it's at the point of faith, uh, faith and repentance, when, when believers are actually, they come to be in Christ. And, and so Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 kind of signifies this. It says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, uh, so having believed, this came first, after believing you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit. Uh, a promise who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So what's the significance of this seal? Well, a seal, uh, the imagery here is, is to, you know, in, in those days, 
a, a king or a, a special authority, when he sent a letter, he had a, a seal that there would be this wax seal and he would have a special ring that, that uh, a special design that, that signified that it was him, that it was truly coming from his authority, that it, he was giving his mark of approval. Uh, it was his mark that he would put on that, that, that then when that message, that letter was delivered, that it would be confirmation that it was truly coming from that, that person. And so when God says here that he's given us the seal of the Holy Spirit, what that means is that the Holy Spirit is, is the mark on a person, whether or not that person is God's person, whether or not that person belongs to God, whether that person is God's chosen person or not. The Holy Spirit is the seal that, of God's ownership, where God says, this one is mine. And so when did we get that seal? Well, we got it after believing. And so again, let's think about this. We, we know biblically, there's just, it, it would be so hard to make a case biblically that we could be rightly said to be in Christ before this point. And so what's significant is that uh, Paul says that we were chosen in him, that we were chosen uh, when we were in the condition where we could rightly be said we were in Christ. And when was that? Well, that was after faith that was that was at the point of faith in relationship with Jesus which would mean that it is at this point when we could rightly be said that we were actually chosen by God it's it's at this point i believe that election actually is real and takes place and so i think the uh, misunderstanding would be to say that it takes place before this so let's think about this uh Calvinism and Reformed theology would say that the the election of God actually takes place clear clear back somewhere uh, in eternity past. Um, it would say that you know God God chose us ultimately to to come to be in Christ. That God God chose us not in Christ, but He chose us to eventually be saved in Christ, which to me are two hugely different things. So here's the problem with that is Ephesians 1 clearly says that spiritual blessing, God has put all spiritual blessing in Christ, right? And so the question would, that would have to be asked is, is being chosen a spiritual blessing? Is it a spiritual blessing to be chosen by God, to be his elect, to be predestined for, for so many wonderful and glorious things that the Bible says that predestination includes? I think absolutely all those things fit within the category of spiritual blessings. But this clearly says that every spiritual blessing, which would include being chosen, which would include election, would include the spiritual blessings of predestination, all these uh, reflections of God's uh, special love for his people, were they only exist in Christ. They only exist in a certain spiritual location, which is in the location of Jesus. And outside of him, none of these things exist. And so where I think the problem comes in for Reformed theology is it would very clearly, to me, seem to place the spiritual blessings of being chosen separate from in Christ, if that makes sense. It would, it would place being chosen, uh, predestined, elect, all these spiritual blessings, it would have them happen to us. It would have them God grant us those things, bestow them upon us uh, prior to us being in Christ. So clear back in eternity past, somehow 
um, within Reformed theology, within the concept of unconditional election, being chosen, being elect, uh, being predestined, all these things take place clear clear before you know this this event in time where we actually come to actually be in Christ. But again, God says all spiritual blessings are in him, so all spiritual blessings only happen at this point. Um, they only happen at the point of relationship with Jesus. And before this relationship, what spiritual blessing is there that God can bestow on us or give to us? What kind of relationship can God have with us? How could God call us his chosen people, his elect, his predestined ones, before there's any relationship with Christ? What that would be saying, ultimately, is that there was some form of mysterious mediation that happened between us and God prior to our relationship with Christ. And that is just not possible. And Um, to say that we did become God's chosen people, we did become God's elect, that God, God, before our relationship with Christ, before our union with him, that God actually chose us to come into union with Christ eventually. That's separating the, the gift from the person of Jesus. That's separating spiritual blessing from Christ. That's making, that's, that's presenting, really that's presenting uh, salvation in a strange light as if really our, our, the primary salvation took place prior to, to faith in Jesus. Salvation really takes place in Reformed theology, clear back before relationship with Christ in eternity past in this mysterious election of God that really is separate from union with Christ. That salvation to us, the, the, the most important element of salvation for any believer in Reformed theology would be this act of God choosing us. And really, Jesus, uh, our... our uh, s- our second or, or the next in order after being chosen would be us eventually coming into union with Christ, which really makes Jesus secondary. Um, it really makes Jesus sort of an afterthought. It, ma- it makes him a uh, really a, a, a tool, just another tool in God's tool belt to accomplish the, the act of salvation that he ultimately uh, started long before union with Christ. These concepts really are why uh, Reformed theology is is quite troubling to me. I, I feel it dis- it it really serves to distort um, our really the centrality of Christ and salvation. I think, um, and so I think this this is one example of how that takes place. Mm-hmm.